When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director, Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? It's great. How about yourself, Keith? I am fine. I'm. It feels like the movie Barbie has already come out. Even though, because <laughs> their promo team is working in overdrive, pink overdrive. Um, were you going to mention this later? The thing that I texted you no. about uh, the Barbie Dreamhouse has apparently popped up in Malibu. It sure did. No, no better place for the Barbie Dreamhouse. I'm just like, did they rent like this place and then ask if they could paint, paint it pink? I, there was a, <laughs> some, someone that we used to work with uh, tweeted out, or they quote tweeted Pop, I think it was Pop Craig, who said like the the Barbie Dreamhouse popped up overnight. <laughs> Our former coworker was like, "Nothing pops up overnight. People live in Malibu. I'm sure someone saw this being built." But yeah. Anyway, um, well, well, maybe they just went from an airplane that usually fights wildfires and just put pink paint over sure. the entire and entire Ken, structure. And Ken's motorcycle and the dream pool, the whole thing. You no, know, everything. <laughs> uh, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes Barbie. On Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time spends a 14th week at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. And that's the most weeks at number one in over a decade. Plus, as Wallen's Last Night holds firm at number one on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Luke Combs' cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car bumps up to number two, marking the first time that we've had two country songs be numbers one and two on the chart at the same time in over 40 years. What were the last two country songs to double up in the top two? Well, we'll tell you in just a moment. Also on the show, we'll chat about some of the biggest music news headlines, including Drake's poetry book slash album, Olivia Rodrigo's official album announcement, and Pink getting an unexpected surprise on stage when a fan threw her mom's ashes from the crowd. Seriously. So we'll tell you all about that in a second. Plus... Most excitingly, we have a brand new interview with Kelly Clarkson. Kelly is back on the podcast to talk all about her just released 10th studio album, Chemistry, which addresses all the highs and lows of her relationship with her ex-husband and their divorce. So stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. 
All right, let's do the chat of the charts. First up, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time. I can't, I've been talking about this album for like four months. Months. Months, literally every week, every the week. 2023, all of it. All of it. <laughs> uh, well, first up, Morgan Wallen's One Thing at a Time clocks a 14th non-consecutive and total week atop the Billboard 200 albums chart. And that marks the most weeks at number one for any album since Adele's 21 logged 24 non-consecutive weeks in 2011 and 2012. Um, uh, last week, we mentioned how One Thing at a Time had 13 weeks in number one, and that tied Drake's Views, The Frozen Soundtrack, and Bad Bunny's Un Verano Senti for the most weeks at number one in the last 10 years. So now he's jumped over those three. Yep. And the last album with at least 14 weeks at number one was Adele's 24. Do you think, Katie? No. You don't think Morgan's going to hit 24 weeks? No, I don't. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I see mean, a lot of things on total, the horizon. In total, this thing is not going I anywhere. I sure don't think he's going to hit 24 weeks. I just think with uh, Speak Now Taylor's version coming, with the two albums I mentioned, uh, I mean, if we're talking 24 weeks, we're talking about many more months. We're talking about 10 weeks, which is more than two months at number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think with Taylor, with Drake looming, whatever, you know, this album that goes along with the poetry book, it's just I don't think he's getting two more months. Album coming. Olivia in September. I just don't think he's getting those. I don't think July and August are going to belong to to Morgan, but I might be eating my words, so we'll see. It almost sounded like you were about to eat. Literally I did. Words. I literally choked on the words, like <laughs> oh, the, July and August are belonging to Morgan. Oh. <laughs> Morgan hears you, and he's 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 coming through the ether. <sighs> well, one thing at a time earned 110,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending June 22nd. That was down one percent, of course, according to Luminate. One Thing at a Time debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, dated March 18th, and spent its first 12 weeks at number one. It then stepped aside for two weeks and then returned to the top for the last two consecutive weeks. All right, next over on the all-genre Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, we've got more news about Morgan Wallen as his song Last Night, which is from the One Thing at a Time album, spends a 12th non-consecutive week at number one. Meanwhile... His fellow country superstar Luke Combs takes his cover of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car to number two. It's up one spot this week. In turn, country songs are the top two on the chart concurrently for the first time in over 42 years. Mm -hmm. The last time there were two country songs at numbers one and two was on the March 7th, 1981 dated Hot 100 when Eddie Rabbit's I Love a Rainy Night and Dolly Parton's 9 to 5 were numbers 1 and 2, respectively. I knew it was going to be Dolly. Uh, I did not know it was going to be Eddie Rabbit. Uh, everyone loves a rainy night. I, I love to hear the thunder, <laughs> watch the lightning when it lights up the I sky. sure don't know that song. <gasps> you don't. I've never heard of this man. I, love a I don't know night. this man. I love a rainy night. Sorry to this man. I love a rainy night. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It lights up I still sky. don't know it. <laughs> It's 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 huge. You you would know it if you. Well, then again, I just I I probably butchered it. But you would know if you heard. I it. would know it if I if I was alive <laughs> when it was number one. I feel like I know of every number one song from my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the ones pre. 
I just know, don't. You know, nine to five. Of course, I do. <laughs> okay. I'm the legacy of nine to five has clearly outlived. Sorry of, to Mr. I love Rabbit. a rainy night. Uh, well, also incredibly, last night in Fast Car are also numbers one and two on the country airplay chart. So, country radio, which is the most sort of traditional and core country songs chart that we have, is championing, championing, championing these songs too. Did I say it incorrectly? Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, it's not like it's a situation of some kind of fringy. Uh, country pop track, uh, you know, in the sense of like Taylor Swift's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which was technically country, but ostensibly a pop song that country radio really didn't fully embrace. I was thinking of Meant to Be. Was that one that country radio did embrace, though? Uh, I, I think, just feel like I it was it, such a streaming hit. It, no, Meant to Be was embraced also by country embraced, radio. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you know, in the sense of like country radio was like full steam on these two songs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one, I mean, now that said, what you can absolutely acknowledge is the uh, production of Last Night is incredibly sort of pop focused, mm-hmm. even though it's still a country song. And Fast Car is a very faithful cover of what is a very sort of, you know, pop folk song. Right. But they're both performed by two core country superstars. With those country voices With intact. With those country voices. They're, they, they are not taking away any sort of the twang nope. that they have. Nope. Um, I don't know. I think it's been kind of a wild time for country music. I mean, really, in the past, like— year and a half or so, especially like earlier this year, half of the top 10 on the Billboard 200 were country albums for the first time in like a decade. We've seen huge successes from people like Bailey Zimmerman and Jelly Roll and of course Morgan and, and Luke. Um, and it's all mostly owed to streaming. Yeah, which it was, you know, country was behind in streaming and, and hip hop definitely had a huge leg up over it because the audience adapted or adopted streaming earlier than country fans did, but they're here now. They're here now. So, I mean, it just shows how popular country is. It just took a second to catch up to the format, I think. I saw a, uh, uh, there was a news release about a, a, a sort of a, a, a country artist that had been around for a while whose name is now escaping me, but I noticed that that their track list had, I think, like 16 or 17 mm-hmm. songs, and I'm like, mm, that's interesting because this is an, an artist from who was sort of pre-streaming, mm-hmm. and now they've clearly adjusted mm-hmm. to be like, all right, we can't just do the 10 to 12 song album anymore. It has to be like 16 to 17, yep. 18 songs in order to, you know, one, maximize your potential, and also two, maybe they're like, yeah, well, whatever that was keeping us from doing any more than 10 or 12 songs, that's not here anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for the chart news. Hey! All right, well, then let's talk about some other news. Um, we've been talking about Olivia Rodrigo a lot on this podcast, but we have to just keep keep you up in the Olivia news cycle. She uh, gave fans a surprise on Monday by announcing that her sophomore album is arriving later this year. Uh, she unveiled the cover art and title of the project, and the title is Guts. Okay. Not to be confused with the Nickelodeon series of the same name. Um, a press release says Guts will address the, quote, growing pains and trying to figure out who I am at this point in my life. Olivia added in the press release, quote, I feel like I grew 10 years between the ages of 18 and 20. It was such an intense period of awkwardness and change. I think that's all just a natural part of growth, and hopefully the album reflects that. So the album will arrive on September 8th, and its first single, which we've talked about uh, previously on the podcast, Vampire, is out on Friday. Do we think mm-hmm. that she is, because you talked about how she's been very kind of quiet, relatively, 
on social media and she hasn't put out any new music since Sour. Do we think that she's going to kind of take the uh, kind of Taylor Swift, Beyonce route and like kind of be very much like the music speaks for itself and I'm not going to do press interviews and kind of shy away from that sort of stuff? I think she'll do interviews. Um, I mean, I do think that she's using Taylor Swift's playbook. Yeah. But I don't know that she's going to forego press entirely. I kind of feel like, you know how Adele, like on release day, yeah. does like a few dozen interviews. Yeah, she's, it's like she's selective with them. Very but she does selective, them. but she does them. I kind of feel like Olivia will do the same. I think that she'll also probably have some sort of magazine cover that will come before the album comes out. She's very traditional. I think she's going to do things in a traditional way. I think there's also th- something to be said about how like Adele herself and Adele's team knows how powerful Adele's personality yes. is. If you're charming and effortlessly funny, yes, please put yourself in front of a camera well, and do And something. we haven't heard from Olivia in a while, so I think people want to hear from her in any sense they can hear from her. So I think that they'll be choosy, but I think they'll definitely do press. Yeah, cool. Um... Moving right along, we have uh, Drake, who revealed via Instagram and wraparound ads in major newspapers How old fashioned. <laughs> that he will be dropping his first collection of poems called Titles Ruin Everything, colon, A Stream of Consciousness by Aubrey Drake Graham and Kenza Samir. Uh, the ad included a QR code leading to a website, uh, titlesruineverything.com, where Drake revealed that a new album will be on the way, too. Um, I made an album to go with the book, he wrote on the site. Okay. They say they miss the old Drake. Girl, don't tempt me for all the dogs. What's that mean? Uh, who knows? Uh, I mean, I think that... Uh, uh, he's addressing the dance album that came out last I, year? I, yes. I mean, I think that they're probably... It's, like, it's what, a return book, to a his original... Album? Like, where's, like, the old Drake, man? Well, this one's going to be for all the dogs, Keith. All right. Um, a release date for the album has not yet been revealed, um, but the new set follows 2022's Her Loss, which is Drake's collaboration with 21 Savage, and then his own Honestly Nevermind, which is the dance project that Keith mentioned, and Certified Lover Boy. Honestly Nevermind was last year, and Certified Lover Boy was 2021. Um, so, new Drake. I wonder what the... yeah. Well, I, hmm. And will the poems be wrapped on the album like will it be a, a strict companion like will it literally be both written word and lyrics I, I don't know well if he's saying I made an album to go with the book they say they miss the old Drake girl don't tempt me for all the dogs so is he saying this album is for people who want the old Drake or is he saying don't tempt me because this is not the album that I made because you're gonna have to tempt me to make it later no I'm pretty sure it means that he's made an old Drake album. Well, may, may, so may, yeah, I'm guessing that maybe the poems in the book are really like lyrics that'll be heard right. in the music. I don't know exactly what it means though, in the sense that Drake has had a, a lot of personas. I feel like certified lover boy, joking, you know, tongue in cheek version of him being the rapper who raps for women. Also, like like ladies love him as much as dudes do. But then he also has songs where he goes a little harder, and those are the ones I'm assuming. That are for the dogs. Okay. So I don't know exactly what this album will be. Is it a combination of both for, you know, who knows? The old Drake encompasses a lot is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. But it's probably just not going to be a dance album. I think we can safely say that. Darn. Okay. So uh, our last headline, uh, Pink was left stunned at her Sunday BST Hyde Park show in London after someone in the audience lobbed a plastic baggie of gray powder at her while she was performing. Uh, visibly stunned, Pink paused, singing just like a pill, to confirm with the fan what she probably already knew but didn't want to believe, which is that the contents of the bag 
were human ashes. Uh, she asked the fan, this is your mom? And then followed that up with, I don't know how I feel about this. This feels like a good continuation of our conversation from don't last throw week. crap on about stage. BB Rexa getting a cell phone pelted at her. We didn't even get to talk about it because it happened after the podcast went up that Ava Max also had a fan jump up and like hit her in the face on stage the day after BB. Um, and then this happens. It's like, respect an artist's boundaries, people. Like, listen, let's say, let's just like go with some hypotheticals here. This fan, this fan's mom, huge Pink fan. Sure. Even requested because she was ill on her deathbed, please like spread my ashes at a Pink concert. So spread your ashes in the park. Spread her ashes in the park at the Pink concert. They're literally at Hyde Park. No one will will mind. No one will know. Throwing them on stage and involving Pink against her will. That's just a TikTok moment. Ah. We That's don't even know if this upsetting. Person, we don't even know if any of this is real. We don't. We don't. Maybe it was cocaine. <laughs> really off-brand <laughs> cocaine. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. why is it gray? <laughs> it shouldn't be gray. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I do have to say, like, uh, this this feels very much like if if this is real, I, I, I like with Pink, I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. If it's not real, it makes me just think it's like we're just doing something for the TikTok Oh, I think it's real, and I just think that, like I said, I think that you could have done this in a way how that— and Why would you ever think that this would be appropriate? I, must be a massive Pink fan, the mom. That's got—that's the only explanation. Mom was such a huge Pink fan that she wanted to involve Pink somehow in the spreading of rashes, but just not the right way to go about it, guys. It's just not. It's just not. All right. I mean, hold up a sign. If you want Pink involved, hold up a sign that says, my mom loved you, I spread her ashes at the park or something. And then Pink would see it. She would acknowledge it. She would say sorry for your loss. It would be a lovely moment. Throwing a bag of ashes at Pink, not the move. That's just like, not the move. That just feels like you're not, like, I mean, isn't that some sort of, that's not a biohazard, but. It's upsetting it's is weird. what it is. I don't know. Okay. Well, okay. well now. Now it's time for our interview with Kelly Clarkson. The singer-songwriter just released her 10th studio album, Chemistry, on Friday. And in our new interview, we talk about all the emotions she worked through while writing this project and how she decided the order of the tracks on the album when it really runs the gamut of happy, sad, angry, and everything in between. What it was like to live debut the album in front of an audience and what she has planned for her upcoming Las Vegas residency. Tons of lasers and fog. Of course. In addition to her many other full-time jobs that she's tackling, like The Voice, her talk show, and being a mom. So please enjoy our interview with Kelly Clarkson. Well, hello to Kelly Clarkson, and welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me again, Katie. <laughs> of course. So we are talking with you ahead of the release of your 10th album, Chemistry. And there is a whole range of emotions on this project, to say the very least. Um, so can you kind of tell us about when you started working on the album and, and what your process was like as you were you know, dealing with so much while making this new music? Yeah. Uh, well, three years ago. So like, you know, the end of May. So, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was about three years ago. I started and I didn't, I, I mean, I, if now I can tell you that, but at the time I had no idea. I'm like, Oh, I'm writing another record. Like I didn't do it for that reason. I was honestly just writing to work out what I was feeling and what I was going to do. And, 
while my life felt like a giant dumpster fire. So, um, it, <laughs> it was a really hard time. So, um, I just was writing, it's like literally a stream of consciousness, just like getting it out. And, um, it, it all came out and, and, and a lot of it was obviously very intense and very sad at first. Then it was very important to me. Like I'm obviously I was in therapy the whole time. And, and it was very important to me in realizing like, it's, it's not just bad. Like I didn't want, like whenever I decided to come out with a record, it was, I literally the very first thing I said is like, you guys, I'm not going to just come out with some breakup record, some divorce record. I was like, I want it to be, a full range of what a relationship is. Like, I don't want to, cause I, I sometimes feel like that's belittling the beginning, you know, like, and, and, and demeaning like the, the passion or love or fun and all that stuff in the beginning. And, and that would be wasting that. And that, and that mattered to me. So, um, so I, I definitely have that stuff in there from the beginning feelings to like really still trying to like, Oh, I really don't like you to like, um, okay, I'm going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? So there it's all on there. <laughs> you know, we were really impressed by the sequencing of the album. Um, you know, you may have a really sad or, or angry song followed by a really romantic or upbeat song um, that kind of takes you on a roller coaster of what a relationship can be. Um, mm -hmm. So out of curiosity, what was the first song that you wrote for the album? Uh, well, there's two answers to that. So, um, there, my, uh, uh, my favorite mistake, that's another song. Uh, my mistake, uh, my mistake, it's a good song. Uh, my mistake was actually written. Um, I didn't write that one. And that was actually a song that came to me. I was still like married and, and it was years ago that I got that song and I just, my, the label loved it. I really liked it. So we had that song already down to you. I was actually struggling, um, well, with my relationship at the time, but also there were other things going on at the time with other people. And it was just, I just felt like it was just a, um, that song is, I wrote, um, rather quickly with, uh, Mozilla and, and Jesse, um, because I just was really having a hard time, like with several different things. And, and that's where that song came from. Um, and a little bit of that was my relationship. And, um, and then when I, you know, three years ago to like date, uh, whenever I started actually writing, going like getting through this, I mean, honestly, I think, uh, one of the first ones was, um, lighthouse was probably one of the first ones that I did. And, and it was just so confusing and why, you know, the sequencing, um, to, to speak on that is like, it starts with, can I skip this part? The actual lyric, can I skip this part? Because that's what you want to do. You want to run and not feel, um, although you have to. Um, and, and then it does go back and forth because honestly, that's what happens sometimes for people. You don't just decide one day, oh, I'm just going to like jet, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, this is a process that happens like, and, and you go back and forth because you're in love and, and you're like, man, I really want to fight for this. And then some days you're exhausted and they're like, I can't tread water anymore. Like, I can't do this. And then you go back to like the song magic on the album and you're like, okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I'm a very strong person. I was like, I'll put my shit out there. You put your shit out. Let's do this. Like, and then you just go back and forth. So that's the sequencing is like, there's not just like a, cause there was an idea in the beginning of like starting with favorite kind of high and then working through a relationship. And it's like, that's not how it happens. It's, it, it's back and forth. It's even like the stages of grief. Like 
it's a seesaw, uh, you know, uh, from hell and, um, <laughs> and just the angry pits of hell. And, um, and anyway, so I, that was very important to kind of show that dynamic, but a full range of like what that is. And, and why did you want the dual single of me and mine to be the first taste that fans got of the project? Well, that's, so there's two into that too. So I actually just, my whole dream and goal with the label with Atlantic was like, look, I, my fear is that y'all are going to just pick a song. And then that's the only song people are going to hear before this album comes out. And they're going to think it's this one thing that's impossible. I mean, even the songs that we've released so far, mine is very different from favorite kind of high, which is very different from me, which is very different from my hate love, which is very different from something else that might come out before the record. And like, you know what I'm saying? They're just, there's there. It's just, they're all, they're all, they all matter. And they're, and they're, they're all different stages. Right. So, um, that was my concern with like, just labeling this with just one song to wrap things up. If nobody ever heard the album, like it's like, uh, and there they came back to me. So second answer is it was actually their idea to come out with mine and me. I didn't even, I didn't even mind which song I was like, I don't care which song you go with from the album. Um, I just don't want it to be the only thing that people hear. So they not only came up with the idea of releasing mine and me just to the first thing people hear different things, right. Um, you know, empowering, you know, kind of vibe anthem, but also hurt and like angry. And like, there's just a lot in those two songs. So they chose those two songs and they chose to do those as mine and me at the same time. And then also even the, the release of like songs before the album, you know, is coming out. So it's, that, that was all Atlantic. I just, I didn't mind which song I didn't mind when I just didn't want my whole qu- like thing was, I just don't want it to be one thing. Cause that's right. fair to the album. It could also be possibly deceiving to people where it's like, let's put out my favorite kind of high, which is this exactly. big poppy think, track. If you think the whole album's like my favorite kind of high, like our favorite kind of high, you are mistaken. <laughs> it's like, that's the, that's the one. <laughs> it's like that. Um, so, um, you know, there's so much great imagery on the album and, you know, great metaphors for love and relationships, you know, like the songs Lighthouse, which we already mentioned, um, and Rock Hudson and Red Flag Collector. Um, do, do the metaphors or the phrases or the, the, like the song title imagery kind of come to you first, or do you like kind of build the song from there? Like, how does that process work? Like, I mean, like just the name Rock Hudson can evoke a lot of things. So what comes first, the song title or, you know, or the song itself, I guess. I mean, it's always different. I will say like, even with Rock Hudson, like I, I had made a joke in passing. I was like, well, guess that was my rock Hudson. And then I was like, oh, wait, what? And then I, <laughs> and I wrote a whole song about it. And so, um, a lot of it comes from sarcasm through tears. Um, and, um, a lot of it, every single song that you've ever seen my name on that I've, you know, written Millie lyrics on it. It's like, there's always a movie playing. Like I have to have imagery. I'm just highly visual. It's even how I learn as a child. Like I was, I'm a visual learner. Like, um, so there's always something playing in my head visually while I'm writing and it's always different. Like sometimes you'll like, you know, I'll make a made a joke. I was like, I literally think I was talking to someone. I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, I can't even remember how I worded it, but I had made fun of myself self-deprecating because I do it all the time. And it's, um, it, it had to do with like me collecting. I was like, yeah, red flag collector. It's like, maybe I'll just name it that. And then I was like, 
That would be a good song. I was like, <laughs> and honestly, I didn't even, I thought it would be a good song, but I didn't write that song until, so yeah, just something really made me angry. And, and I, and I wrote it cause I was very angry. So, and hurt. So, um, anyway, so it just depends. I mean, for the most part, this album in particular was written right when something happened with me at me to me, whatever i I, I, it would just like come out like, and it was selfishly just for me, like just to what, what am I thinking about this? How am I going to react to this? Like what, you know? So a lot of that is like, even like, I'm so angry and red flag collector, but like, you know, that's, those are moments. Like, it's not like I was sitting in that moment forever. You know, those are just moments you're angry and you write something and you're, you know, whatever I hate love kind of similar, like, or different situation, but just similar. Like you're just so frustrated. Um, but, um, it's all, it's always different, but I do always have a visual going. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, I was just kind of curious, uh, you know, when I heard that there was a song called rock Hudson on the album, um, mm. it made me very curious just because of obviously rock Hudson's past, uh, that most people are familiar with. Um, but it also made me wonder, did you give maybe a heads up to the rock Hudson estate? Like, yo, I have a song named after rock. Just want to let you know, don't worry. It's nothing derogatory about him mine oh no i i didn't even it's just like a reference even in i hate love like i referenced the notebook and it's complicated and steve martin and ryan gossett like i didn't it wasn't like like with rock hudson like i know what you're referring to it has nothing to do with that mine is like my he was my like movie guy like i like carrie grant too everybody does but rock hudson was mine like i when i saw pillow talk as a child like i fell in love with him like i just it, he represents like for me, um, just the movie star, like the ultimate that, fantasy like, leading man, the ultimate. Yeah. yeah. Movie guy like that. I just, you know, a smile that just kills you. Like, and it's just so charming. And, um, just, he represents like, you know, people thinking like, um, cause it's the most frustrating thing that people say is like, Oh, I, I never saw it coming. And I'm like, that was like, I heard it all the time. Um, oh, you, you seemed so happy. And I'm like, well, when you're trying to fix your life and you're trying to make something work, you're not going to air your dirty laundry. You know, you're not going to talk about it in a negative sense. You're hopeful. You're, you know, you want it to work out like you, you know, so you're not, of course you didn't know, like you wouldn't know if you were me or him, like, it's like, so, um, or those really close to us, I guess, but like, but, you know, but the the perception that, you know, in the limelight specifically of people seeing, oh, well, we saw them here and they looked great and they were smiling. Whoa, we're we supposed to frown on a red carpet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what were we, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, what? Like, so it, it was more of just like that. I I really did. Like, I remember having this discussion with a friend one time going, I really didn't think it was true. Like, it just kind of played out like a movie, like how we met, how we ended up together things we had in common, like, I mean, childhood things. We grew up in the same town and didn't know each other. Like, it's like, cause we're like years apart, but like, I just mean, it just felt like a movie and it just, it felt like too good to be true, which, okay. It was, but like, but I, that was the reference was like, Oh man, I thought I found my rock Hudson, like my, and, and I never thought that even existed. If I'm being honest with you, like I didn't, I thought that was total bullshit. So I didn't even think that was real. I was like 30 when I met him. So like, you know, like we started dating. So it was just, it was just to reference the, the, the leading man that, that you kind of thought that you're, it's not referencing that can be misleading. It's not referencing 
Rock's life, like, and how he was in personal life and what was his, you know, he was unfortunately having to hide, you know, from the public. Um, So yeah, it's not, it's not referencing that. It's just, he was my, like people have Cary Grant. He was mine. Like that was my guy. And still, I, I, if you I'm, find me watching Pillow Talk, I am in a sad place and I'm trying to come out of it. <laughs> I, please, please know I was not trying to lead this into any sort of weirdness. I was just, I was like, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. It was funny because, no, it, it, it's funny because when I wrote it, it, um, uh, my producer didn't have a clue about his story at all. I wasn't even thinking about that. And it was funny because somebody at the label, I think is the first person to be like, like, please tell me Atlantic was like, yo, Kelly. (laughs) They're like, so (laughs) I was like, oh no. I was like, it's just about, you know, having that movie life that people think you have that is so perfect. And it's not, you know, um, behind closed doors. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be at the Belasco show where you performed the full album for the first time. And I, I'm guessing that's the first time you've ever debuted an album in that way. And I'm wondering, like, what was it like getting that instant in-person feedback from a crowd and all these songs that, you know, had to that point been, you know, private to you? Um, well, um, you will have noticed that it was emotional. The first like three or four songs, mama was having a very hard time. Cause I think it was, it's very overwhelming. And I didn't think about it. Cause we'd had two rehearsal nights, like previous to that had gone through the show, you know, moved on. I'm in a different place than I was when I wrote these songs. And I just think when you come out and there's that amount of love. Like those are really hardcore fans. Those are like real fans that have like been on the ride for a minute that knew all my references from like other songs in these songs, like these, mm-hmm. and, and to feel that wave of like, uh, honestly support and, 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 um, and just love, like it was just freely given, like that was, it was overwhelming. And then I think it just hit me and I was like, I, it was my dumb idea to start acapella. And that's what threw me because, and then we have the strings there. We picked the saddest four songs. Cause we were trying to get the strings, the song with the strings out of the way for filming. We were trying to do it for filming. We did it out of order. And I was like, this was the worst idea ever. So the first three or four songs were very emotional for me, as you will have noticed. Um, and then, um, then it became like, just this storytelling thing for me that I could sit in and like, just relate to people and connect with people. Cause we're all, even though I don't know everybody individually in that room, although I knew quite a bit for years. Um, but like, even though I don't, we don't, you know, sit on a barbecue. That's the beautiful thing about music is you can, or art in general, you can be from completely different worlds, hear something and just connect in a way that you don't really do in, in, in other versions of life or, 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 um, categories of life, I should say, you know, so it, it was just, it was emotional, it was overwhelming and, um, and it was really supportive, which was cool. And when everybody got the references, especially in rock Hudson, like the piece by piece reference, which yes, it sounds like a dig at him. And if I'm being honest, when I wrote it, yeah, I did mean it a little bit like that, but at the same time, you also mean it as like, why would anybody look for somebody else to put them together? You know what I'm saying? Like I can do this my damn self. Like I'm a grown woman. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I didn't really mean that when I wrote piece by piece, it was a song that was honestly very, I was hoping towards something. It wasn't perfect then either. Um, and I was really projecting like a lot that I really wanted. Um, and hoping people would hear it. Um, and so, um, there's just a lot of backstory on all those songs too. So it was just, it was interesting to have the crowd, um, you know, 
reciprocate that, that triumph, that empowerment, that all those feelings, like that was really cool, but it was weird because I haven't done a show where people haven't known the songs right. since my first tour. So like, right. yeah, that was, uh, there was like a communal dance party to down to you. Like it was like, all of us had, had already known that song and it was wild. Yeah. yeah. It was very cool. I love that song. Thanks. I'm throwing to you, Keith. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> sure. Cause I wasn't sure how we're doing on time. It was so polite. Yes. So, you know, this is the first time that you've released a non holiday album since you've been hosting your talk show. So I'm wondering, how has it been kind of balancing the promo cycle for the album along with doing the show? Like, how do you plan, if at all, to kind of like promote the album on and through the talk show? Does that I don't know if that would be weird to navigate, but that's the question. (laughs) No, it's not weird. It's definitely hard. It's a lot of work um, because also doing the voice um, on top of all of that. So, um, so yeah, it's, it was a lot. Um, uh, But yeah, I don't know that I'll do that all ever again. So, um, and, and honestly, I wasn't even able to do some of it like because of the writer's strike. So we had a whole plan like for the release of this album and it went to shit for lack of a better word because of the writer's strike which is fine like we're, we're standing in solidarity and it's fine we just pivot and find a different way to promote stuff but um a lot of our like game plan just went out the window um even you know via doing that but even doing belasco like while doing the show while doing the voice like that 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 was a lot so um you know i just finished up my ninth season of the voice and we're moving to New York, you know, with the show, I have a little bit more time for my music stuff now. Um, cause I'm also a single mom of two and I have my kids most of the time. So it's like, there's that too, you know? So, um, it's a lot. And so people are like, Oh, why aren't you touring? Why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, girl, boy, where you want me to fit that in? Like, I'm like, I'm always trying to, I gave you 10 shows. I was like, that's all I can give. Like, you know? Um, so, and I want to do stuff. That's what I literally was just talking about this in my living room. Cause we're having these discussions about things, to happen or not happen. And I keep going back and forth like this frustrating seesaw because I'm, you know, it's like one of those things where I want to do it all. Like I, I love working one. I love performing. I love doing all of that, but it's like, you have to pick, you know, it's come to that point in my career where it's like, cause I have this other job, the talk show, which is a lot of time. And, and you have to just kind of pick your moments. Um, it has been not easy, um, to do, but, um, I do have a great team. So I think that as long as you have a great team that knows, like, I mean, even like my, I'll be real honest this morning, I looked at my manager and I was like, I'm kind of moody today (laughs) because something happened and another thing that I was just like, Oh, that was frustrating. And like, and I just forget how hard it can all be in doing it all at once. And I'm just, you know, you're human. So, um, it's, you know, I try, I'm trying to do as much as I can, because I know as a fan, I love watching shows. I want to see my people perform those songs. I want to be and feeling experience in the room. Like I get all of that. Um, but it's very hard to navigate. Cause I'm also not a normal artist anymore. I'm like a talk show host too. So yeah, you have a lot of full-time jobs, like multiple full-time yeah. jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, finally, um, before we let you go, um, you, you mentioned performing, you have a Las Vegas residency that was supposed to have started three years ago. And now you're um, getting it's a very different Vegas show, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes. This yeah. whole album did not exist. Um, yeah. And so have you already been, uh, you know, planning to uh, practicing all of that, like how you're kind of can balance the new album material with, you know, your back catalog? 
Yes. And I, and I'll be straight up. Like I'm going to be that artist is definitely gonna give you all those songs you want to hear because I hate when I go to shows and people don't give me that. So, um, you're going to hear all the ones that uh, honestly, we haven't performed them in forever. Like we, we haven't been able to, even at Belasco, we surprised everybody with like Miss Independence since you were gone. I think we've done like a tour in forever. So like that was really exciting for us selfishly. Um, so we're just excited to play the hits. Um, and then also since there's 10 shows, all 10 shows will be different. Um, there's definitely gonna be the hits in all of them, but like we're sprinkling in covers that people have liked or album tracks that people have liked here and there or new, I'm going to hit all the album just on different nights. Um, so they're going to be different shows. Uh, you know, all, all 10 of those because I couldn't really give any other shows right now because I'm also moving to New York. So that's another thing. So it's like, you know, so it's, you know, not enough time. So, um, but no, we're going to, and it's going to be, you know, more of an intimate, like looking you in the eye, like having conversations more kind of like Belasco, like you were there, like kind of more that vibe. And, and the last, um, Vegas thing that we were going to do was very different. It was huge. It was just more of a spectacle kind of thing, which is what people obviously usually go to Vegas for, but, um, it didn't fit where I'm at right now or this record for me. Uh, so I just changed it cause well, I can, so I, <laughs> so I just did. You know, maybe, maybe eventually you'll get back to the Kelly Clarkson lasers know, and the and machine like, show. I feel like that show will come one day. Right. But I just feel like it wasn't right right now. So, well, congratulations on the new album. We are so excited for it to come out and for everyone else to hear it. So thank you so much for talking with us about it today. Yeah. Thank you for talking to me again. All right. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much to Kelly for chatting with us again. Uh, it's just, I, it's more than a pleasure to talk to you. It's just like, man. She's always a delight. We've had her on the show, what, like three times? At least, this least? is at least the third time. Because uh, I believe both previous times we spoke to her were around Billboard Music Awards. One was for Grammys. Oh, okay. One was Grammys and one, one was, was the Billboard BB Music Mays Awards, which is hosting. It. Yeah. Okay, so this is our third. Wow. But she's always uh, great to speak with. and um, I like to talk to her once a month because I also spoke with her for a magazine article <laughs> last month, too. So, was, Kelly, I'll talk to you in July about something. <laughs> did, when you spoke to her for the magazine article, mm-hmm. did you speak to her on video? Yeah. I wonder if she remembered you. She did. She said oh. in the beginning. Yeah, she said your name. She, she said hi name. again, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, she's like, hey, you, you again. She's like the guy, you over there, you're just recording, you're just recording it. It's Keith, right? Uh, anyway. All right. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. All right. Well, in honor of Kelly Clarkson being our very special guest this week, I thought that we would take a trip down Kelly Clarkson memory lane on the Billboard Hot 100. So, Katie, mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson has had 11 top 10 hits on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay. Simple question. How many... Of those 11 top 10s, can you name? Oh, wow. Okay, well, I'm going to start with Since You've Been Gone. That's correct. That went to number two. Um, Miss Independent. Yep, number nine. Uh, a moment like this. That's her first single and first number one. Um, My Life Would Suck Without You. That's correct. Number one in 2009. Um, uh. Uh, behind these hazel eyes. Number six in 2005. Um, Got five of them. Piece by piece. Yep. Number eight in 2016. Um, uh, Breakaway. 
Yep, number six in 2004. Uh, she had another one that was real sassy. <laughs> um, or I'm at seven, right? So I'm missing four. Yep, just four. Uh, uh, let's see. What am I missing? There's a real sassy one in here. I'm, I know I'm missing a sassy one. I, oh, um, uh, Stronger. Oh, yeah, that's number one from okay. 2012. Um, Three more. Okay. And you're doing great. Thank you. I like Kelly Clarkson a lot, as it turns out. I mean, one, one of these I, I, I'm not super familiar with. Okay. Uh, but the other two. You're very familiar with. Yeah, and so are you. Um, like, so is everyone. Right. One, one is a sad song, and one is like, like strutty in your face song. Um, okay, I, I would like the, uh, how many words are in the title of the strutty in your face one? Two. Can I have the initials? Please. M I. It's, it's not Miss Independent. I already said that. No, you didn't. I said Miss Independent. Like the second thing I said was Miss Independent. <laughs> You're very upset with me. Well, I said that one. Okay. Well, so then we're missing. Apparently, you have nine. <laughs> no, I think we're miss. I was counting. I only had eight, so we're missing three different ones. Okay. Well, then you're missing. Uh, well, I don't know. Now you just got to tell me what. All right. Let me just rattle them off. Right? Okay. I can tell. I can tell you which ones I missed. Okay. A moment like this. Got that. My life would suck without you. Yes. Stronger. What doesn't kill you? Yes. All number ones. Since you've been gone, went to number two. Uh-huh. Breakaway went to number six. Uh-huh. Behind these hazel eyes. I said that. Number six. Mm-hmm. Because of you, you there did not it is. say. Because of you. I love that song. Went One. To number seven. Never again, you didn't say. Nope. That. Two. Number eight. Piece by piece, you said. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Miss Independent, apparently you said. Mm-hmm. Number nine. And then Mr. Know It All. Did didn't not say. say. Went to number 10. There it is, Mr. Know It All. That is the sassy one I was trying to think of. I knew there was a sassy one that I did not have. Oh, I, I'm. I'm wholly unfamiliar go. with that song somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah I don't know why. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with Never Again. At least v- hearing just the title. If I listen to it, I'll probably be like, oh, right, that. I was very frustrated that Walk Away, which is a banger, missed the top 10. Great song. I went to number 12. Great song. 12. Um, and no uh, no Christmas top 10s yet. No. That will probably happen for her. No. It just feels likely. Her highest charting Christmas song, oh, is Underneath the Tree. It hit number 12 yeah. in January of 2021. And then this past season, it hit number 14. Yeah, so it's, it's coming for the top 10. It is It is just, uh, just, a, just a... Just it's a, just underneath the top 10 tree is what it is. I was, I was trying to think of, like, you know, a baby's breath mistletoe away. But yours is much better. Okay, so there's our chart side of the week, a little uh, uh, Kelly Clarkson history on the Hot 100. All right, any parting words? We've reached the end of our big show. I feel like I really proved my Kelly fandom there. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I could do that for a lot of artists. I'm fairly certain Kelly would not be able to guess. Uh, that's not, I'm sure that, well, she might not get all 11. She would, she would probably. She'd probably get 10. You, you, well, yes. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I do. It makes me want to get her back on the phone next month. <laughs> I think there are certain. I think there's absolutely certain artists that have an foggiest like mm. the sort of the commercial success of some of their songs. Sure, but I think she would know what As was the first by, single of my project. Like that was like had the big. I feel like Never Again probably was the first single for my December, and that's why it was a big splash. But we don't remember it very well. I mean. As I as I reference Madonna once again, remember when I asked her when I told her about how she had, she had never performed some of her top tens mm. live before, and then she was like, "Those, those were number ones." I'm like, ah. No, they're top tens. <laughs> like, Let's not get it twisted, ma'am. Uh. Um, but even she didn't really know. Uh, I think she was surprised. All right, um, what song should we go out on? 
Another Kylie Clarkson banger? Sure, all this Kylie talk, why not? Should we go out on underneath the tree or walk away? Definitely not underneath the tree oh, in We're only in like, June. What, seven months away? It's not even Christmas in July yet. Oh. So the answer is walk away. All right, well, walk away and we'll Let's see you guys next week. Let's walk away from this podcast. Bye. Bye. Well, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.